So last time we talked about this pattern that we're seeing develop, that hear him, hearing him can be affected by some of the things that happen in my life, this direction. For example, the Lord made it very clear that the way I treat my body affects the flow of information from him. He also taught that not forgiving other people affects my relationship. The $30,000 debt over here is going to affect the $23 billion debt. And then we saw in those parables, the Lord is making a very strong case that in the latter days, one of the biggest challenges that you face that's going to have an impact on how we feel spiritually is how we deal with other people. We are all in this together. It's even in the, written into the plan of salvation. You cannot be exalted. You cannot go to the highest degree of the celestial kingdom unless you partner with someone and let someone into your life. You are denied blessings from heaven if you don't partner with someone in your life. And so again, that pattern is starting to show itself that my relationships with others really has a strong influence on my connection to heaven. And so one of the best ways we can learn to hear him is to understand that there are two major cautions when it comes to letting people into my life. So we saw in the parable of the wheat and the tares that there are two very good possibilities. There's two things I do right. So we saw that there's four possibilities when it comes to wheat and tares in my life. One good possibility is I look at someone and see wheat and they are in fact wheat. I judged correctly. I let the right person into my life. And I hope your, your life is full of those people that you let in and you judged correctly. People that have lifted you and, and, and drawn, allowed you to draw closer to heaven because they were an influence. Do you, do you have people like that in your, their life? People that just bring you peace, and bring a, a sense of connected to heaven because of the influence they bring in your life. I hope we all have a whole bunch of these. That I saw you as wheat and you are wheat and I let you into my life. And then the other one, the other positive one is I, I saw something as a tear. I saw someone as a tear. I saw someone as a negative influence that was going to bring me down, that was going to harm me and interrupt my flow of nutrients from heaven. And sure enough, they turned out to be a tear. Now, maybe we don't know because we kept them at a distance, but usually as time goes on, we can recognize and look back and say, boy, I think I got that one right. Um, I think I avoided a tear by keeping that influence out of my life. And again, sometimes it's not a person. Maybe it's a philosophy or maybe it's a, a theme. I think, I think word of wisdom violations are often in that category. They are tears and we're tempted to let them in. And I hope you made a decision years ago that, you know what? That is not something I want in my life because it affects the flow of nutrients from heaven. But the warning from the parable, I think what the Lord is trying to warn us about is that because we can't tell the difference between wheat and tares, 
And that's the whole point of the parable, right? You can't tell the difference until the very end. We are going to make some mistakes. Life is going to do that. We're going to let people into our life and we judged incorrectly. And so learning to deal with that and learning to recognize that I think is the point of the parable. So one of those mistakes that we can make is I see wheat. I thought this was a positive influence. I I thought that this was friend. I saw friend. And what it turned out to be was a terror. I let a terror into my life because I thought it was something positive. And we saw that the Book of Mormon illustrates this story very powerfully in a very prominent place with King Noah and Abinadi. And the people illustrate how easy it is to be blinded to a terror. And maybe it was their own mistake. Maybe it was their own foolishness that blinded them. Maybe Maybe the fact that he allowed them to sin or made them feel safe or flattered them or, or, you know, shared wine with them. But there's lots of reasons why we let tares into our lives and we're fooled by them and we think that they are wheat. But the tragedy of that story is that they find out later that he is a tare. It always ends up that way. In my experience, People who are blinded and let a Noah into their life, always there's always a moment where the blinders come off, and it's usually right when destruction hits. That's what I hate about Lucifer. I've watched him do it so many times. He takes the blinders off right when you're destroyed, and you've burned a Abinadi, you've let your families be destroyed by the Lamanites, and that's when you see, when they clearly saw who Noah was, they burned him. And yet they burned him after they left their families and followed him. And sometimes that that all too often that happens in our lives, that if we are allowed, if we allow ourselves to be blinded, that the blinders come off only when it's too late and destruction is imminent. And the other one, the burning of Abinadi, teaches us that sometimes the Lord sends sources of help into our life, divine help that would help me reconnect with heaven. And we resist them. We push them away. We see, we thought we saw terror, but what they actually were was wheat. I remember vividly teaching this lesson to a bunch of high school students when I was teaching seminary. And there was a sophomore, mind you, a sophomore, a sophomore in that class who was just coming out of rehab, who got into drugs and alcohol and was sent to rehab. It was his mom. His mom was the one that sent him him to rehab. And so we taught this idea. It was Book of Mormon year, and we were talking about Abinadi and Noah and Noah blindness and And I asked him, I said, tell me how you felt about your mom. If you don't mind, it was personal, but he was willing to talk about it. I said, tell me how you felt about your mom while you were, or maybe when you first went to rehab. And he said, I hated my mom. I was so angry at her. I hated my mom for sending me to rehab. 
And then a little bit later, after we talked about Abinadi, I asked him the same question. And I asked him in front of the whole class, and I said, okay, now that you're out, now that you're home, now that you're here, now that you're where you are in your life, now, tell me what you think about your mom. And he got very emotional, started to cry, and said, now I realize that I don't have a better friend in the world than my mom. And it took a very painful lesson to learn that. But isn't that interesting? There was a point where he hated his mother and would have burned her if he could, only to later on realize that he didn't have a better friend. No one loved him more than his mom. And I think that kind of illustrates that the prominence of that story in the Book of Mormon, I think, is Heavenly Father's way of waving his arms and saying one of the major challenges of the latter days, one of the absolute things to be warned about is the danger of letting a Noah into your life. It will affect your relationship. Tell me that didn't affect their relationship with God. If you let a Noah into your life, it will weigh on your soul and it will affect. And I think we've, maybe we have all done it or we've watched someone we love start hanging out with the wrong people. We let the wrong people influence us and it affects our spirituality. And so today we're going to talk about how do you identify the tears, identifying the tears and removing them from our lives. Maybe perhaps there's people I need to stop hanging out with. Now, I know there's a balance in what we're about to talk about. There's a critical balance because other human beings are valuable and we need to respect their value. Even if they are a tear, they have agency and they are Heavenly Father's children. And so there's a balance here between I need to remove myself from this influence and being offensive and hurtful and condemning of other people. There's got to be a balance. But are there people in your lives, are there influences in your life that you have let in that have harmed your relationship with heaven? Are there people you're hanging out with that are pulling you away from God, not towards him? My invitation first is to examine all of our lives and say, are there tears that need to be removed? The very fact that he's teaching us this parable would suggest that he is inviting us to make sure that we remove the tears from our lives. They are deceptively similar to wheat, but they will destroy our lives. So are there tears that you need to separate from, that you need to pull out of your life? And what impact would that have on your relationship with heaven if you did so? Now, can you do it in a Christian kind way? Can you do it without being all offensive? You don't need to throw a stone at them. You can find a way to separate yourself, perhaps without being all judgmental and condemning. But 
Maybe there's someone in your life that is affecting your relationship with heaven and you need to separate. So ponder that this week. As you examine your life, ponder that. I think this parable is making us, is giving us an invitation to say, you know what? It's okay to remove them. We should remove them. The very nature of this parable seems to suggest that the Lord is saying, get the tares. I mean, isn't the story of Noah and Abinadi trying to say, get the Noahs out of your life? Don't be fooled by the Noahs and get the Noahs out of your life. They are not necessary. It's, it's not necessarily a Christian act to say, well, I have to let everyone into my life. That is a false doctrine. You do not have to let, Christianity doesn't demand, a, a Christ-like attitude does not demand that you let tares into your life. Um, another day we'll talk about Korahor, but I love what the anti-Nephi-Lehi's did with Korahor. Go back and find it in Alma chapter 30 if you're interested. What did the anti-Nephi-Lehi's do with Korahor? And that was not an unchristian thing. But they just simply said, this is a tear. And I don't need this in my life. I know what this is going to do to me. And so they simply removed the tear. And they didn't do it in an unkind way, but they did it. And so maybe there are people you're hanging out with that you should not hang out with. Maybe there are friends that you need to separate from. Maybe you're in a relationship with a tear and somehow you need to break that relationship because the tear is going to destroy you. That would be the first thing I would ask you to think about in your life and it will affect how much you hear him. Having a Noah in your life will affect your relationship with Heavenly Father. And if we wanna hear him better, Maybe one of the things I need to do is separate myself from a Noah. So ponder that. Now, let's take the rest of this class and ask the question, what if I can't? Or what if, I, what if the circumstances don't allow me? And I really, I could, but it would be detrimental in other ways. Maybe you work with someone who is a tear. Maybe there's someone at work who just tears your soul down and harms you spiritually. But quitting that job right now in this economy might be detrimental to you. So you say to yourself, look, I'd really like to separate from this person at work who really is horrible to me and gets me down and affects my relationship with heaven. I'd really like to separate, but I can't quit my job. I need this job. Okay, so there's one. Or what if it's your mother-in-law and you, I'm not gonna divorce my wonderful husband because his mother-in-law is a tear in my life. Um, so what about those circumstances where we can't? What about family members who might occasionally say something that tears me down? 
what do I do when I can't or I really shouldn't because of other factors separate them? What if I can't cut them out? The people of Noah could reject him. But sometimes we can't. So then what do we do? So allow me just to share an observation and a thought. After 30 years of teaching young people and and noticing this tendency in the scriptures, can I just share a personal, I, I can't book chapter, we can't go to the scriptures and say there it is in the scriptures, but can I share an observation? Sometimes the tear isn't so much the person, but what happens in my head. Sometimes the tear is what I think about what they said, not necessarily what they said. Sometimes the terror is in me. And separating me from the terror means changing my thoughts. It doesn't necessarily mean separating them, me physically from the person. Sometimes it means changing my thoughts because I'm causing the terror. Let me give you an example. My daughter came home early from a mission. She served a mission. She was out there, served faithfully and wonderfully. And then um, a transfer happened and the companion was a little bit tear-like, especially compared to her trainer. And she really struggled with this companion and she struggled with, you know, and the anxiety got to her and she wasn't sleeping. And so the mission president said, I think the best thing for you to do is to go home. And so she came home. She came home honorably. And none of us thought any less of her because she came home early. But tell me what happened in her head. What did she think the rest of us thought? What did she think that morning at the airport when we picked her up? What was going on in her head? What was going on when she went to church for the first time? What was going on in her head when she had, we had a family dinner for the first time and all the extended family was there? What stories is she telling herself that we think about her? There's the terror. You got it. Now, guess what? None of us were saying that. Not even close. None of us thought that. I was in no way disappointed with my daughter. I was thrilled for what she did and honestly grateful to have her back. But that didn't change the fact that in her head, she was telling a totally different story. She was telling herself that we were disappointed. That, they, that she let us down. Now, do you see how common that is? Do you see how often the tear is not the person? The tear is in my head. The tear is the story that I tell myself. So let me go to the board. And since I don't have anyone here, I'm going to move... <clears throat> I'm going to move you guys closer so you can see better what I'm writing. So.
So here's what I've learned from my own personal experience. I take what I see and hear. So I see and I hear something. I, I hear my mother-in-law um, criticize my cooking and my cleaning all the time. I heard that. That's a fact. That's reality that I saw and heard something. But then we take what we see and hear and we tell ourselves a story. The story is my interpretation. But we interpret that as fact. The danger is that we think the story is the truth. But it's not. The story is my interpretation. So my mother-in-law says is constantly critical of my, my cooking, my cleaning, my mothering, all those types of things. So I tell myself the story that she thinks her son could have done better. She is disappointed that he chose me and she thinks her son could do, do better. That's the story I tell myself. Now, every story I tell myself creates an emotion. The story creates an emotion. And the emotion causes me to act. So I see in here, I tell myself a story. I, the, the story creates an emotion. And the emotion, I got to make sure the camera says that. The emotion causes an action. Now, let me just, well, this happens so many times. Now, if I want to change the emotion, if the action and the emotion are interfering with my connection to heaven, if I want to change my action and change my emotion, I can't change what I saw and heard. But guess what I can change? I can change the story I told myself. Let me illustrate. Let's just, as an example, let's suppose that you just bought a new car and you're driving down some back road, back country road where no one ever would bother you and you're just enjoying your brand new car. And then up in the distance, you see a young boy about 10 years old and he reaches down and he picks something up and he cocks his arm. And you're thinking, no way, no way. But then as you get close, he throws a rock and hits your windshield. Now I saw and heard a 10 year old boy throw a rock at my windshield. I have very clear facts that he hit my windshield with a rock. So tell me the story you're going to tell yourself at this moment. Sabrina, what's the story you would tell yourself? Alicia, tell me what you say. What's the story? Say that again. That a kid hit my car. And so, but... And what are you telling yourself about the kid? Tell me what you're telling yourself about the kid. Oh, what a nice, sweet little boy. No, what do you say? He's a freaking jerk. He's a freaking jerk. 
He's a deviant little snot that has no respect for property. Now, tell me what that emotion, what action is that emotion going to create? I'm angry. I'm angry at a freaking jerk who broke my car, broke my windshield. And so I slam on my brakes. I am going to go get that kid. We're going to find his parents and they're going to pay for my windshield, right? That's the action that that emotion creates. So I do. I slam on my brakes. I go back and the kid comes running up to me, panting. Oh, mister, thank you. Thank you for stopping. I didn't know how to stop you. Five other people drove by and they wouldn't stop. Please help me. My brother is coughing up blood in the ditch. That fast. Tell me what happened. You changed your story. He's no longer the jerk we thought he was earlier. The truth is, I wouldn't have stopped had he not thrown that rock. I wouldn't have stopped for a little boy doing this on the side of the road. I would have kept driving. But that kid got me to stop. Do you see how a little bit more information completely changes the story? I went from angry at, anger at him to how can I help you? How can I help you with your brother? All because I changed my story. Changing my story changed my emotion. And changing my emotion changed my action. And now the connection to heaven flows. I'm not gonna go grab his parents and we'll, I'll deal with the windshield later. Let's get your brother to a hospital. So think about the power in me to change my emotion by changing my story. So truth number two is, if the terror is the story you're telling yourself, change your story. You have power to change your story. And by changing your story, you're changing your emotion and your actions. And when you change that, you are connected better to heaven. So let's go back to the mother-in-law. This is a true story. I, I know the woman who told me this story. This is a true story. This woman's mother-in-law is so critical of her. She always criticizes her, her cooking, her cleaning, her mothering, everything. The way she raises the kids. She's always critical. Now, what story would you tell yourself when your mother is critical? Something like, she thinks her son could have done better. I'm a disappointment to her. She wishes her son had married someone better than me. Now, tell me what emotion that story is going to tell every single time she's critical. Can you feel the weight on her shoulders because of her emotions? And in that emotional state, with that feeling, how is her connection to heaven? Not so, good. not good. So, this woman changed her story. And it changed her life. She said to herself one day, she had a very honest conversation, and she said, why would my mother-in-law be angry at me? Why would my mother-in-law be so dis... Why would she say those things? 
Can I tell myself a different story? Can I give myself another reason to explain why she is so critical? And all of a sudden the thought occurred to her, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know why she's saying all those things. She is, but why is she saying, why is she so critical of her cleaning? It's not that, it's that the thought occurred to her that her mother-in-law is hurt that her husband would rather be with her than with her mother-in-law. He chose me over her. He lives with me. He goes home with me. He chooses me, not her. And that's killing her. And as soon as she told herself that story, Tell me the emotion you would now have when you realize that. She's critical of me because she's upset that he chose me over her. I would be happy. Notice that you're no longer tearing yourself down. You're no longer the bad guy here. If anything, you feel sorry for her, right? That's kind of, yeah. path- that's kind of pathetic. And instead of anger, it's kind of pity. And it, would, it changed her life. It completely changed her life. It used to be that whenever her mother-in-law came over, she just prepared herself to be torn down. But now when her mother-in-law comes over, she just kind of smiles. And she prepares for it. She says, go ahead, go ahead. Lay it into me because he's coming home with me tonight. He chose me and it completely changed her emotion and instead of always being hurt and tearing herself down because of the things her mother-in-law was saying she felt sorry for her mother-in-law she totally could see from her perspective how painful it is she loved her son a lot And yet that son was going home with his wife and not with the mom. Changed her life. She no longer had a tear in her life, but she still had her mother-in-law. So maybe it's not the person we need to remove from our life. Maybe we need to catch ourselves in the story. Maybe it's our conclusion that we need to change. Now, here's the thing. Some people say to me, well, I can't just make up a story. I can't just make something up. But here's my point. Aren't you making something up anyway? You have no more evidence that that story is true than that that story is true. You're making it up anyway. So why not make up a story that lifts you. Let me give you an example. The reason this is so near and dear to my heart is I wrote a book about this. And in writing the book, in preparing to write the book, we gathered hundreds of people, hundreds of people, one, you know, in groups of 10 or so, and we just asked them for their experiences. And this woman's experience I'll never forget. Um, she earlier in the meeting had told a, you know, a story. She gave an example of a story she told herself. She worked at a bank. She wasn't the branch, she wasn't the branch manager, but she was 
kind of high up in a local branch. And the bank president asked all the branch managers and one other person, someone they trusted, someone else, maybe like their assistant, to come to a meeting where they discussed how can we improve the bank? What can we do to improve the bank? So she was in the meeting with the, branch, the bank president. She and her branch manager were there with the president and the president was asking for suggestions. What can we do to improve the bank? And because she was kind of a low person on the totem pole, she didn't say anything. And then after she left, she was a little angry at herself for not saying anything. So she, she emailed the branch, the bank president. And she said, I did have one idea. Because he had said, if you have any more ideas, please let me know. And so she sent an email saying, hey, I did have one more idea. I think this blah, blah, blah would improve the bank. And he wrote back and said, that's a fantastic idea. I'm going to talk about that tomorrow with the vice presidents. Thank you for the suggestions. I really appreciate it. Now, that was the fact that he, she really did get an email saying that. But here's where the story began. She told herself the story that he really didn't like it. He was just being nice. And it wasn't a great idea. She said to herself, I'll bet he thinks it's a stupid idea. He's just being nice to me. Now, tell me the emotion in your heart if you told yourself that story, that he doesn't think it's a good idea, he's just being nice. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that I sent the email. And I feel shame. And I'm tearing myself down. So later on, this was in a discussion where we had a group of people. Later on, we were talking about changing your story. And she... She piped in. She had told the story about the bank. She piped in and said, well, you can't just make up a story. You can't just make up a story. And that's when someone else in the room said, but aren't you making up that story about what the president thought? You have no evidence that he thought that. You don't know that that's what he thought. It's just as likely that he really did think it was a great idea and he really was going to talk to the vice presidents about it. You have no more evidence that he thought it was stupid than that he thought it was brilliant. So you're making up a story anyway. And this woman just like looked at us with this blank stare like, oh my goodness, she's right. I made that story up. So why not make up a story that changes your emotion? Why not say to yourself, he really did think that was a good idea. I'm so grateful I sent it to him. Now, wouldn't that lift you? Instead of feeling ashamed, wouldn't you feel somehow validated that you contributed in a positive way? And what would that emotion do to you? So if you're making up a story anyway, why not make up a story that lifts you? Why not choose a story that removes the tear from your life? And so you're not dealing with the negative emotions. I have learned that this is an incredibly powerful tool in my life. Because I am constantly telling myself stories based on what I see or hear. And quite often the story harms me. 
In other words, I let a tear into my life by telling myself that story. I harmed me. I harmed me. So the second thing I would ask you to do is to look at the conclusions you're telling yourself and ask yourself, is the tear that person? Is the tear my mother-in-law? Or is the tear the story I tell myself about my mother-in-law? Is the tear my family is so critical of me coming home from my mission? Or is the tear the story I'm telling myself? It is my testimony to you that quite often we are the source of the tear. Now, if it's another person, if someone is harming you, if someone is interfering with your relationship with heaven, I would encourage you to separate yourself from that person. Maybe there's someone, maybe you should just stop hanging around that group of people because they bring you down. Understand that I will hear him better when I separate myself from the tares. But... If it's not the person per se, but the story I tell myself, then I don't necessarily need to cut my mother-in-law off. We don't need to stop seeing my mother-in-law. I just need to change my story every time. Are you telling yourself stories that are harming you? And if so, change your story. Do you tell yourself stories that conclude that you're nobody, you're nothing, you're, you're a loser? If you're telling yourself stories and the conclusion is, well, I'm a loser, then you are letting the tear into your life. And people who tell themselves all the time that they're losers, how's that relationship gonna, with heaven going to be? How's the flow of nutrients from heaven? Do you see the impact that it's going to have? So change it's going to impact, impact you mentally and physically and spiritually. So why not change the story? Why not change the story and bring God back into your life? You are not a loser. You are the daughter or the son of the greatest being in the universe. You are heir to his throne and he is planning on giving you everything in his kingdom. He wouldn't do that to a loser. You are his child and that alone makes you more valuable than you could possibly imagine. Stop telling yourself stories that are tears and poison and tear, tell yourself down. Change the story. Change it. You're making that one up anyway. Why not make one up that lifts you? It is my testimony that if we let tears into our life, they're going to poison us. And it will affect my relationship with Heavenly Father. When my mental health is down, 
when my physical health is down, when I'm constantly telling myself that I'm a loser, or when I'm telling myself stories that make me, that harm me, it is my testimony that the flow of nutrients from heaven is not flowing the way it should. And that's on me. That's not someone else. That's on me. So change the story. Change the story. Remove the tears. Maybe I need to remove them literally. Maybe I need to remove them by changing the story I tell myself in my head. Would you spend the next couple of days pondering your life and the people in it? Are there some people that you need to separate from because they are tearing you down? And is the source of the tear not so much them, but the story you tell yourself? If so, change your story and see how heaven opens. Notice how heaven opens. It cannot be pleasing to Heavenly Father when we tear ourselves down. He is our Father. He is our creation. And He is willing to give us everything that He has. It can't be pleasing to Heavenly Father when we tear ourselves down. Now, we're going to talk about that in another class because you are the wheat. You are, keep, you are Abinadi. You are Abinadi. You are the wheat that you are keeping out. Embrace who you are. But for today's sake, change the story you're telling yourself and watch how your connection to heaven increases. It is my testimony that if you will remove the tears from your life, whether literal or simply in the form of a story I tell myself, if you will remove the tears from your life, you will hear him better. And so remove the tears. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.